it with WKGN. One, three, four, oh. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard. Good morning to you, Knoxville. As we come in on this Tuesday, February 6th. How are you this morning, Bob? I'm good. Good. Waking up. Um, Yesterday came close to uh, transitioning to shorts in the afternoon. Oh, wow. It was getting, felt felt good out there. I think today's going to be a teeny bit cooler, but... I think it got up to like 64 yesterday, something like that. Yeah, good. it did feel great yesterday. And I was like, man, I just finally put all my like summer clothes away and, <laughs> and got my winter clothes out like three weeks ago. And now I was like, I'm kind of hot. But it's still too chilly in the morning to wear shorts, I think. Yeah, like, no. I, I do yeah. think it's still good for us to wear pants. But by the time you know the show got done and it was time to go get lunch and stuff and walking back in after lunch, I was like, you know, it's kind of kind of perfect out here today. That's the show motto. It's good for us to wear pants. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Now that ten o'clock crew, they'll 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 do the shorts. The shorts will be good there. Yeah, the, the shorts will be on when they come in. Did you think I was going to say they would wear pants? I, at all? I, I thought you were going to say something. Yeah, with the pants, I, I did think that was coming. <laughs> but I, I did. I was on the phone with my mother, and she said that she was told there's another snowstorm coming. Have you? Is, is that true? Well, I oh, mean, God, really? I've heard, but I mean, I've heard it's like later in the month and it's almanac stuff. I, you know, yeah, that's what she said. She said it was almanac stuff. So, yeah. like, are we still trusting the almanac? It's one for one this year. Yeah, it's it? it's, but that's rare, quite honestly, around here. But yeah, I would, you know, I was the one. I'll never forget this. We were at dinner with some friends on the Saturday night before that snowstorm hit, and. You know, my wife said, uh, yeah, we got to go to the store tomorrow. We got to get food. And I go, for what? And she goes, this storm. And I, I remember looking at her like, oh, please. You know, I, I totally dismissed it. And, you know, we saw what happened. So, yeah, they definitely got it right this time. I just don't have a lot of faith in that stuff. Well, I hope they're wrong upcoming because I was yeah. enjoying the 55 to 60 to 65 degrees. Now, like, I, I do feel, and I think we've talked about it, there's going to be another cold streak that comes through a cold wave that comes through but i just hope it's not like snow cold you know hope it's not like hey here's some more white stuff on the ground that ruins your life i could deal with like 30 degree days for a week or two that's fine but just keep it dry yeah and then once it comes let's let's take the the temperature down about another 20 25 30 degrees and make it just brutal it was rough man i i'm so thankful that that's over there's still i saw it on this weekend at like one of the grocery stores in the parking lot there's still corners of mounds of black snow at this yeah, point that really. haven't fully melted yeah samuel good morning to you good morning how are you on this tuesday uh i'm feeling pretty solid honestly um 
had a little late coming in, had to go get some gas, but I noticed that sun's kind of starting to come up a little bit now. Like it was like 6:50 when I was rolling in here and the sun was kind of starting to peak up. So I think here in the next couple of weeks, we won't be driving into the show in complete darkness. So that kind of made me feel a little bit more happy that we're getting out of winter. Walk me through the feeling that you felt whenever you got in your car and you're like, oh man, I gotta get gas. Bad, bad. Yeah. I was already, cause I had a similar kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of woke up a little bit later than I normally do. And so I was rushed getting out of the door and then I got out of the door and just turned my car on. I was like, yeah, there's not, not much gas in that car for me to comfortably feel good about going to the station and then, and then, you know, to my activities and class and stuff today. So I, I know it's tough. But you need to get in the habit of doing it the night before. Yeah, I know. I'm normally good about it. I'm normally good about it. It's always just a minor inconvenience the night before. Mm -hmm. Makes you really think about it, too, when you're sitting out at the pump in the morning and it's cold. I was going to say, it's a major inconvenience the next morning. No one's ever been like, wow, I'm glad I waited till the morning to get gas. No one has ever felt that. (laughs) Unless you're like a coffee guy. Unless you're like, hey, you know, I want to get my gas in the morning, run in, get some coffee, get a donut, whatever. Like, if you're that guy, that's fine. Maybe maybe you'll be okay. Because I know, like, you know, growing up, we pretty much did go to the gas station every morning. You know, to get coffee or, you know, fill something up. Pack of smokes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Sam's a smoker. That one, no. <laughs> I don't think Sam's a smoker. I had to get a couple I'll, I'll Marlboros in before I got in the show today. Do they sell Zen at the uh, gas station? Yeah, they sell Zins at the gas station. Kids these days, they like their Zen, so maybe, yeah, they maybe do. get you a pack of Zen. <laughs> pack of Zen, some coffee. Maybe you don't need coffee if you have the Zen. Maybe in that case, okay, wait till the morning. Otherwise, it always just made me so mad whenever I would have to get out and do it in the morning. Yeah, it was tough. It so, was tough. So become a night guy. I will. Absolutely. I feel like that's an easy change that can improve your life. Like in terms of like efficiency, that's about as as efficient as it could be in terms of a minor change that pays big dividends. There's one of those like motivational speakers out there that says like if you can do it in less than five minutes, just like do it now. Yeah, yeah I should have just done should have just done my gas in the five minutes after I was leaving the gym yesterday. If you can do it in five minutes, do it now. Yeah, I got a little routine, like the night before, you know, just getting stuff in order. Stuff like that. Not necessarily gas, but um, just stuff, you know, so when I roll out in the morning. Seamless. Saves you, yeah, saves you a couple minutes. So that's the one time I'll let you use it as an excuse. Okay. Next time I'm going to be offended that you didn't listen to me. Okay. <laughs> we had a whole talk, Sam. Do you not remember? It was Tuesday, February 6th. We spent seven minutes on you getting gas. A stern sit down. Yeah. And, and, do, do you not respect me? Do you not respect my, my advice? And you heard us yesterday when we talked about Eli. You can get relegated yeah, from this show. Yeah, that is so true. It can happen. Yeah, Eli's kind of ruined my life for the next couple of weeks, <laughs> month or so. I have to... Stay home and should we just fade his Super Bowl pick? No, you run into the you're into a dangerous game when you start fading picks. Because no one can be that bad for that long. You know it's what true. I mean? Like you just gotta you just gotta ignore the picks for a while. You, you can't you can't fade them because you know how mad you're gonna be if you fade them and he finally hits one. Yeah, <laughs> his his level of confidence tells me too. He's been through this before, and you know he must emerge. Let's hope he emerges this week. I'm not going to be there to, to see it. So I'm not going to be there to enjoy it with him. It's not going to be a fade territory, but it's going to be a not listening. Blah, 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 blah. 
Blah, 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 blah. Anything on the TV last night? Anything in your life we need to hit to start the show? No, I watched, uh, there was only, well, there were two college basketball games on. The first one was a snoozer. Man, what has, didn't Miami like return almost their entire starting lineup from that Final Four team? Maybe, maybe they are, maybe they are resting on their laurels. Maybe they think they could flip the switch. Maybe they're like a championship team that, you know, has the championship hangover and they keep waiting to get back to it. Because you always hear about that in professional sports, right? The, the losing the championship, Super Bowl hangover, the. The next year, those teams usually take a step back. You saw it with the Eagles, you know, a bit this year. I know they came out hot, but they didn't quite seem as good. And, of course, knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe Miami has a little bit of that going on, too. Yeah, it's uh, – and also watching a little bit of that game, because that's about all I could tolerate, it just made me feel so thankful for the team Tennessee has offensively this year because, boy, watching Virginia looks familiar to some of the past teams we've had. I had it on in the background as I was doing some work. And I kept looking up and kept seeing Miami score. And I was thinking the back-to-back college basketball games I watched was watching Providence's offense on Sunday night <laughs> and Miami's offense on Monday night. And I was like, this this sport is in trouble. I, I don't know if I can, you know, make it represent the entire landscape of college basketball. But, man, those were the two of the most brutal performances I've seen. I saw them back-to-back. So I needed a cleanse. And I – Got one with the Hawks and Clippers. My, my Hawks came up short and four-game win streak ended, but that was like 150 to like 147 or something, so people were actually scoring the basketball there. Yeah, and on that note, I heard this driving in. I had no idea. I mean, I knew the Clippers were hot, but they're they're like almost top of the Western Conference now. Yeah, the Clippers, we haven't talked much NBA. I think we should get into a segment later today just because the trade deadline's coming up. You got LeBron's name floating out there. You got some interesting stuff in Golden State. But yeah, maybe the most under-the-radar story is how good the James Harden trade has worked out. For the Clippers, that was a trade that some people laughed at, but the Clippers have been really, really, really good since they've got him. And yeah, they're a half game back of the one seed out west, and you know they're tied in the loss column, and they're only three games back in the loss column of Boston for the best record overall. You always have to throw the caveat in there of can they stay healthy? But like you talk about the the sixty five game threshold and the the change to approach when I was watching the game, they said, Hey, yeah, Kawhi Leonard's only missed four games this year. And you're kind of, Oh, so it has worked with some stars. LeBron hasn't missed a lot of games and neither has Kawhi. And you know, you are having the stars play a little bit more Joel Embiid, notwithstanding, but yeah, the Clippers best team they've had in the Steve Ballmer era for sure. It seems like. Yeah. And we need to, that's, that's the upside too. If the Clippers are that good, you get to see more Steve Ballmer and he is a freak. I still feel like he got away with sexually assaulting his friend that time when he was sitting next to him. I don't know if you remember the video, and he kept grabbing his friend's like thigh and like just really, really rubbing high on his thigh. And the friend was like, man, this is uncomfortable. But, man, this guy's worth billions of dollars, and these courtside seats are cool. I like being able to go into the owner's lounge. Sure, you couldn't squeeze my thigh. I had some PTSD to riding like in the middle with my uncles on the farm, and they kept doing that to me. And I was like, I don't know. If it's the same kind of vibe, I was like, you know, this, I felt uncomfortable at like 13 or 14 being like, please stop squeezing me there. But like, I don't know how they felt. I didn't speak up and I don't think Steve Ballmer's friend did either. Well, it's a little bit to unpack there. That's a little bit. 
We'll go to break. We'll talk some Tennessee news after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning, traffic wise. We're still in good shape as far as accidents causing delays out here in West Knoxville. It's trying to pick up just a bit 40 east here over the top of West Hills as that traffic increases down I 75, leaving Campbell County down through Anderson County. Some radar not only up there in those counties, but also out in East Knox County. I 40 out around Strawberry Plains Pike. Hey, if you see attorneys on TV and you don't recognize them, there's a reason for that. They're not from around here. UT grad Marco Scarza, he's right here in East Tennessee. I'm Commander Chuck with your on traffic ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par well if i'm being honest that was me just a down i should have learned to roll timely timely sam got to uh, got to story of the day toby keith passes away yeah. overnight toby keith dead should have been a cowboy. I see that he is trending. I see the Dixie Chicks are trending. They trend like once a month. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of intertwined forever. Okay. Are they? At least as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I imagine that's why they're trending. But to me, they're intertwined because you know few people benefited from the war as much as Toby Keith. That's true. I guess they did too as well a little bit. And, and, and few people like lost as much as the Dixie Chicks did. That are that are not military related. Let's <laughs> clarify that. Like non-troops, few people lost as much. Non-people affected directly by the war or by 9/11 lost as much as like the Dixie Chicks did. Just career-wise, let me make sure I'm specifying that career-wise. So yeah, I think they're kind of intertwined. I imagine that's why they're trending. Although I haven't checked, I'm sure people are being very rational and level-headed on X these days. But yes, R.I.P. to Toby Keith. Some Tennessee news. We are two weeks away from baseball season, and you got four All-Americans on the team, according to, I believe it was Baseball. Baseball America. Baseball America, right. Yeah, they did their All-American teams, and you got four guys getting either first, second, or third team, led by Drew Beam. Is Drew Beam your your best player heading into the season? Is he your most important player heading into the season? Yeah, most important for sure, at least, you know, on the in terms of your pitching staff, I would say. Well, definitely in terms of your pitching staff, he's going to be your ace. But, you know, that that's going to be Tennessee's biggest question heading into the season is who gets the, the third start. You know, everything I read, everything I listen to regarding the Tennessee baseball team is who's going to be the third starter. You know, you got your first two. As long as they're healthy, Drew Beam – Andrew Lindsay, both those guys proven, both those guys high-level SEC starters. The question is, who is number three? So maybe you could say whoever that is is actually the most important player on the team. Sam, or the most important pitcher? Who who could f- step up and fill in that, I guess I assume, Sunday spot in your SEC rotation? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I think that's kind of been a spot that's a question mark kind of in camp and has been rotating through. I think you'll see a lot of guys kind of in that role. Um, you know, I think AJ Russell is probably a guy to look out for, um, you know, provided some really good action for you out of the bullpen last year, but didn't really see extended time. Um, yeah, so that's who I meant to say. Instead of AJ. Yeah, I, I figured. Sorry, thank you for correcting. Um, he, he's, he's, he's going to be most likely your second guy, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And Wasn't he the, it, help me out here. 
tall guy, right? Yeah, that Super, big tall yeah, freshman last year. Yeah. yeah, thank you for correcting me. Yeah. It's, it's early in the morning and it's no. early in the season for baseball. I figured. Yeah. Andrew Lindsay, not not AJ Russell. He's in the majors. Or Andrew Lindsay is in the majors. AJ yeah. Russell is here. Exactly. Yes, exactly. yes, yes. Yes, Andrew Lindsay's our number two. Um and so yeah, I think you'll have you'll have Beam and Russell, obviously, and then I think there's some guys that are kind of rotating there. I know to me, Wyatt Evans at... is a guy that stood out. Um, Wyatt Evans, yeah. I know you've got like Xander Seacrest, and then Cossie, uh, I think Cossie, Cossie. You went and got uh, Nate Snead out of Wichita State in the portal. He's kind of more of a longer lever, but also kind of has the ability to give you a start every once in a while. I think. Okay. Yeah, I saw that name. Uh, you said Derek Schaefer. So, I mean, like, there, there's going to be a quartet of guys that get tryouts in the early season, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Because you have Beam and Beam and Lindsay are kind of solidified, and you're looking for that third spot. Drew Beam, though, first team All American, the highest honor for Tennessee players. Blake Burke, second team. Billy Amick, the Clemson transfer, and Christian Moore, third team. Got to be honest, I don't know how you felt, Sam. I don't know how you felt, Bob. But when I saw Blake Burke's second team, that was a little surprising to me. It was a little surprising to me for him to be a second team All-American. In a bad or good way? And, I mean, I, I don't I think it's going like to be a first team. Okay. I, I think it's going to be a first team. And I'm not saying it's in a bad way. It's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, I, I thought his spot at first base was, you know, at times thought to be even up for grabs, you know, last year in the transfer portal. Like, whenever you're kind of looking at bringing guys in and you look at the who you have on roster already, like, I just – well, surprised he got that big of a nod. I think it's a guy who definitely took a little bit of a step back, maybe in terms of his production from his freshman year. I think it's still, a, I think it's kind of still a player that's going to have a big bounce back and be able to kind of provide that that pop and that power in your lineup. Well, that would be nice. That would be nice if he got back to doing that. And you know, he slumped really bad, you know, the second half of last year, conference play of last year, but still came up with a couple big hits time to time. That's what I remembered with him was just boom or bust, you know. Mm-hmm. There was, like, no in-between. He, you know, had big hits and then just vanished for a while, like you mentioned, John, and then we all remember that home run in uh, the the regional. Yeah, I mean, I guess there, there was some talk that maybe Amit coming in would be your first baseman if you still had Zane Ditton on the roster, but... Like all signs point to you know Zane did not not being a factor in 2024. Whether or not he's back in 2025 will be, you know, a question that gets answered over the next coming months. But like I would say, three percent chance he has any bit of a factor in 2024. So I guess that did kind of solidify his spot there. Uh, you know, you'll have a couple catchers you're trying to find reps for, and and Tony's come out and talked about how he wants to keep guys fresh and, you know, not kind of run them down. I don't know if can, can Cannon Peebles play any first base. I don't know usually catchers can. Peebles will probably be your DH if he's not catching. Okay. He's that good so of that would be your yeah. yeah, that would be kind of your your trade-off there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah, baseball season two weeks away. I did see that uh, in addition to the All-Americans list of 12 – I did see, or three, or four. I did see that yeah, Rocky Top Insider had the breakdown of the 12 nationally televised games, or at least ESPN SEC Network televised games. So Tennessee's going to be on 12 of those, I believe, was the number. Yeah, I did not see it. but Yeah, uh, yeah I saw that uh, I believe it was Shumpert had the breakdown of that and the 
the series that you're going to get to watch on either SEC Network or ESPNU. I believe ESPNU had the LSU Friday game, and ESPN2, I think, had some Vandy games. We're close, two weeks away. It's just so crazy. I mean, there's some arguments this could be Vitello's best team, at least based on what I read, and still they're ranked 8th, ninth, 11th. And and the majority of those teams in front of them are you know conference teams to boot. You know it's just a reminder how loaded SEC is. Yeah, I've seen some people talk about that. I just I have a hard time thinking it's going to be better than the 2021 team. You know that was so good. I mean I know this team's talented and but like 2021 team had some studs. And you know by the way the by the by the time that you know. On paper, preseason maybe you know wasn't wasn't that, but like when you got to actually in the season, you saw your rotation and you saw like the three guys you had there, and I, I know it didn't end well against Notre Dame with Chase Burns, and I know it didn't end well in his Tennessee career with Chase Burns, but like having him as your as your third option or a second option, I guess, and you know, I don't know those arms I thought were pretty talented, and this year maybe it works out where Tennessee does have whoever in that third spot. As your third pitcher, maybe they are just going to be really good, and I think Tennessee does, until otherwise proven, deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to filling out their their rotation. Because it's not like they've had a they've not, it's not like they've had a bad third pitcher so far under Tony Vitale, at least since he kind of got this thing rolling, right? Like the the pitching coach Frank Anderson and and Vitello seems to have been able to develop somebody to be in that spot. Yeah, I, I think that. Maybe this is your biggest question mark kind of coming into that day three slot in terms of pitching, but I still think that – I think this lineup is is really, really talented. And, you know, you've got guys pretty much one through nine, I think, in that lineup. So I think that you're maybe taking a, a little bit of a step back in pitching staffs from previous years, but I think this lineup is as good as what he's had so far. Who was, who was set to be the number three last year coming into the season? Because I feel like we had a similar question last year after you got past, like, Beam and Burns. And, of course, Burns ended up not being in your rotation and hitting, um, hitting the bullpen. But am I misremembering that? Well, we had Dolander. Uh, yeah, right? I want to say it would have just been Beam oh. as your number three last year. Okay, yeah. Then, yes, I am wrong Lindsay kind of was that guy who was like – over for that, yeah. Yeah, because okay. you had a slow start to the year with some of those guys, and Lindsay kind of took over that role. But. Great call by you, Bob. This Tennessee baseball segment not going well for me <laughs> as I forgot Chase Dolander. It's okay. So – it's early, man. It's early. Well, it's early. It's early in the year. Exactly. It's early in the year. That's it, what I'm saying. The morning, yeah, I, I have noticed. I do have a brain fog until about eight o'clock. I, I do have that, which is good because usually we have like a big story to kind of, I don't want to say coast your way through, but things you know a lot about. The Tennessee baseball coming off the top in February. I forgot Chase Dolander, man. That's tough. He was really good. Not as good as we thought. Yeah, he wasn't as good as, as we thought he was going to be last year. So. He didn't live up to the hype last year, and neither did Chase Burns. So, like, honestly, it was imp- you know really impressive Tennessee got as far as they did. Now, if you tell you that in the preseason, no. If you tell you that in the preseason, you expected to be in Omaha. You expected to win at least a game in Omaha. You probably thought you could win it all last year with those two guys at the top of your of your rotation, but neither one kind of lived up to that billing. Of course, you – Got off to a pretty slow start in conference play. You were kind of struggling. So to find your way by the end of the year, to run through Clemson, to, to go down to Southern Miss and, and win that region, super regional and then get at least a game in Omaha, that was a pretty damn good job by Tony Vitello. 
You know who I'm kind of uh, intrigued by going into this season is Kavaris Tears. Yeah. Just because he, he, he didn't play that much last year, but he just looks like a specimen. You know what I mean? He just looks like he's a player. He's a big kid. I've got yeah. a class with him, actually. He's he, I think he's probably slotted to start in that right field slot, and he's a big power bat. I think yeah. he's got a lot of pop. Well, between him and Dreeling, right? Like, that's kind of – both of those guys kind of fit that build, right? Dreeling's yeah. really good. Yeah, that's more of a – kind of a pure hitter, and I feel yeah. like Tears is kind of your your power guy. You've got Inslee in center field, super fast, good glove. So, I think you're – I think kind of your only big spot that is, is maybe a a question mark now is, is kind of that short spot in second base role a little bit. Um, you now were, you're going to be our baseball our baseball guy, Sam. You seem locked in on the baseball team already. Maybe, yeah. I'm kind of locked in on this baseball team. I've okay. I've got some some high expectations for this baseball team. Is baseball one of your sports that you like watching? Yeah, I it's, like I like Tennessee baseball a lot too. Okay. I mean, now you're a baseball guy then. Yeah, sure. You stay on top of it. Okay. <laughs> expectations for this year? What? I think you can get back to Omaha 100. percent is that just the program expectation every year now? Like just, I mean, I think yeah, I think Omaha is definitely the standard that you're trying to get to. I think Vitello's established that and has absolutely shown he can get any team kind of to that point. Like you're saying, last year maybe some things didn't go your way and you still got there. So I think that Omaha is absolutely kind of in the in the mirror, and you're and you're hoping that that's kind of the goal that you're working towards. I typically come in with like, okay, like last year I was like, let's host a. A super regional, I think, was the goal I had last year. Host a super regional. Be one of the top eight teams. When you get to the actual super regional, you know, you'll see how it breaks down in terms of Omaha or Bust or whatever. But, like, host a regional, host a super regional. Tennessee failed to do both of those. You know, you're on the road for both of those, which sucked as a season ticket member. Didn't get any of those postseason games. But, like, I feel like coming into this year, it feels like host a regional is the bare minimum. I think when you come in as a top 10 team, can you be on the right side of eight to host a super regional? That would be a, a big accomplishment. You're you're both hurt and propped up by the SEC in terms of resume and and they call it RPI, right? It's still in baseball too. RPI and like you know, but but also like everything's a gauntlet. It's gonna be hard to to win, you know, the vast majority of your games in the SEC. But I'm excited for baseball season, despite yeah. how poorly I did this segment, forgetting Chase Dahlander. <laughs> to me, I feel like this base, like and we talk about AJ Russell with Andrew Lindsay. <laughs> to me, I feel like we talk Dylan about Dylan. with the <laughs> football team, like Heupel, you know, he's finally in his first year of now having a roster of like all his own guys. Now I feel like you're getting into the territory with Vitello of like it's a it's a group that's just top to bottom that he's like picked out, handpicked and like it's guys that he wants out of the transfer portal and guys that he's gotten recruiting wise and I think you've got like some really talented freshmen even that are slated to get some playing time this year. So I think this is kind of that that first group of of you know, it's just Vitello's kind of golden group I think of all the guys that he's got together. Bob, I know you're connected. You're a you're a powerful man. Have you have you heard anything about the baseball stadium naming rights? Because I've, I've got a little bit of a birdie telling me that they expect to name like a naming right thing in the next you know mm. week or so in terms of having a like sponsor. Like a food city center type thing? <clears throat> yeah, not not food city. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been told who who the sponsor is, but just that they have one that they're set to announce pretty I, soon. I, I have not heard 
any yeah. of that. That's uh, you've 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 definitely got more info than I have on that one. I'm definitely interested to hear though who that'll be. Also heard that they have it locked in for the football stadium too. Oh, let's go oh. to break. It's oh. the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. You know, I gotta be honest, Bob. I don't care what we do on campus in terms of naming rights or selling things or whatever. I, I'm not much of a traditionalist in that sense. The I've always said the tradition I care the most about is just like winning. Cause like that's my tradition as a 33, soon to be 34 year old, like my tradition and my history of, of being a Tennessee fan. We won a lot of games in the nineties and really got, you know, me sucked in and got me used to that. So like, that's, that's what I care about. Orange and white. I like that being our, you know, our, our colors. I like that tradition. I like running through the T those things are really cool, but like, you know, mix in some alternate jerseys here and there, whatever. Don't care. I agree with that. Do keep running through the tee, though, before the game. That's cool. Don't, don't get rid of that. Let's keep doing that one. Yeah, we before we went to break, we, you know, the Neyland one feels a little inevitable. Um, when they first did the Food City Center thing, that's what everybody kind of gravitated towards. And there were a lot of purists saying, you know, you better not change, better not touch Neyland. And it's like, come on, man, this day and age, that's the reality. Um so I agree with you. You know, we called it during the break the, the Danny White freight train, man. But it's uh, if that continues to help build great programs and win, like you just said, John, then I'm there for it. I will say that one I don't believe is imminent. I, I do think the baseball one, from what I was told, should happen this season. It should be coming up fairly soon. But, like, yeah, the, the football one might not be in, in time for 2024. But, that the you know, yeah, the, like you said, the freight train is rolling. But, like – I gotta be honest, don't care. Tennessee is top ten in baseball. They're top ten adjacent in football. They have, you know, every opportunity to be a top ten team this year. And you look at top ten programs for this year and next and kind of moving forward and hopefully projecting like Tennessee is in the mix there. Basketball, every bit of a top ten program under Rick Barnes. The the most winningest SEC program since 2018, according to the the breakdown I saw from friend of Fan Run, Jordan Moore. Like, Tennessee is every bit of a top 10 program in college basketball right now. You know, I don't know about the women's program, ironically enough. You know, something you talk about tradition and history and, and, and my childhood, of course, you know, three national championships during the 90s. We're a little bit of ways away from those days in women's basketball. But all the other sports, really good. Really good. So as far as I'm concerned, whatever Dr. Danny wants to do, go ahead and patch me up, doctor. Do whatever you want to do. That's how I feel. I don't know how you feel, Bob. No, I agree. I think that, uh, again, when I we said inevitable about – Neil and I, yeah, that's, I'm saying ultimately, I don't know sure. if it'll happen quickly. Baseball was a no brainer to me. I felt that would be happening sooner than later. It sounds like it could be this season. So we'll see, but no, nah, man, it's, uh, just gotta think about where we're at. We've said this before. Think about where we are now versus where we were, you know, at least in some sports four or five years ago and then in other sports prior to that. But 
I do have an eye on the women's basketball piece of it too, because we'll see what kind of what kind of commitment there is from the administration towards that, because it can't be considered, you know, respectfully, it can't be considered good right now. If you're Danny White, are you itching to to have a little bit of a coaching search, or are you like, hey, we're fighting the NCAA right now, and like let's let's relish in the good and while everything else is good we'll kind of just not rock the boats and, and have a public firing and have a public search and and kind of i don't want to say put pressure because as long as football is good then no one's right. going to care if he misses the college you know the women's college basketball coach hire i don't think there'll be any pressure in that regard but there will be some noise surrounding it and it is noteworthy when tennessee you know was open in terms of looking for a coach. So I do wonder if they can kind of do enough to save her job and kind of keep her here or or if he is itching to kind of make everything tight. Because we are kind of in a boom when it comes to women's basketball, right? Who's this girl from USC, Sam? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, All of a sudden, I'm like, Caitlin Clark's old news. We got this girl dropping 60 points. She dropped like 53 or something. I, I think know. she dropped 51 of her team's 63 points That's on, crazy, yeah. on the weekend. Do you see this, Bob? There's uh, no. apparently a monster, uh, a Michael Jordan. Caitlin Clark Juju came. Juju Watkins. I yeah, Caitlin name. Clark came. She did her pistol Pete. She did her like, hey, I'm I'm going to come out here and score a bunch of points and run around and do things. And now I think Michael Jordan has shown up. What did you say her name was? Juju Sam? Watkins. Juju Watkins? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I saw that she dropped 51 points this weekend. Yeah. And hit like seven of her ten threes or something crazy like that. And a couple of the top recruits are actually like pretty solid for him. Like South Carolina's got a girl that's nasty. She looks like De'Aaron Fox playing out there. Yeah, honestly, like looking at this girl's stats, like yeah, like uh, twenty nine points, fifty one, nineteen, twenty nine, twenty, twenty six, thirty two. She's got a couple thirty point games early in the season too. So yeah, like maybe the the female Michael Jordan is now here and. This girl's a freshman, by the way. It's crazy. She played at uh, she she was a classmate. It looks like she came from Sierra Canyon. So, uh, Bronny James. Really? Yeah. We got a little love and basketball action going on here between her and Bronny because just like in love and basketball, the woman was the better player in that one too. I had I did not see what she did this week. I'd seen that I think it was last week they beat UCLA in a big game, and I know she showed up in a big way there. But uh, no, I'm not that familiar with her other than. Clearly, she can play. Seems kind of crazy that I don't, I don't know exactly what's our breakdown. We play Thursday, Sunday, typically. Is that our breakdown for women's? Yeah, that sounds right. Because they got them playing like Friday, Sunday, just like game a day off in between these games. That seems kind of crazy. Well, they do the um, what they. Of course, this is all going to go away at the end of the season. They do the like USC and UCLA will play the Arizona schools. Do you see what I'm saying? They'll they'll, they'll, they'll they'll play both of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one they got Cal, Stanford, both on the road. Right. They, the weekend or, before it was home games against Wazoo and Washington. The yeah. weekend before Colorado and Utah. So, yeah, they try to do both road games and kind of hit them while they're there. Yep, exactly. Cut down on travel expenses and things like that. That, that makes sense. And that'll work out perfectly in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do? Just yeah. keep them on the East Coast for like two weeks? <laughs> you got Rutgers and uh, yeah. I don't know, we'll find you another team to play. But Juju Watkins aside, which by the way, I mean 51 points, it is worth mentioning. 51 points, 11 rebounds. But 
I was going to say, it does feel like, I do feel a little left out during the women's college basketball boom. Like, it does seem like a, a fun sport to be cover, you know, to be watching and being a fan of if you have one of these players, if you have one of these teams, and a uh, school that should have one of those players just, quite frankly, doesn't. I do feel a little left out was what I was going to say. So, like, I, I would prefer to just be good at that, too, Danny, if you're listening, like, the tradition and the deep pockets, you think we we should be able to get someone bigger, right? Well, it's just funny because like for a while, it felt like that was the only thing we were good at. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of ironic. The, the only thing you were good at for a while that, that made your, I mean, almost to the point where the people made fun of you as a women's basketball school, now everything else is good, and that's the one sport that's not necessarily carrying its weight. Yeah, I we'll see if uh, Lady Vols can do something come tournament time but i mean it may may not even be a given there right i mean they're what the record's like 12 and 7 12 and 8 something like that i guess i hadn't considered that they wouldn't be a tournament team maybe maybe you're right they're 14 and 7 they're 7 and 2 in the sec overall so like they're still they're still doing good in conference i just think that like they just never win outside of conference anymore like when they go and actually play like teams Lost to Notre Dame, lost to Ohio State, lost to MTSU. Like, I mean, lost to Florida State, lost to Indiana. Like, the only the only out of conference game that you won was against Oklahoma. But like in conference, yeah, still seven and two. I didn't mean to talk about so much women's basketball. Drink White Claw hard seltzer responsibly. You you are right though. I'm watching this video right now of all these uh, National Player of the Year candidates in women's basketball, which I wasn't admittedly following enough, but. Cameron Brink, I knew of Paige Bukers, but then obviously Kate and Caitlin Clark, Juju Watkins. I mean, there's some – I'm watching this Cameron Brink highlight reel. She can play at Stanford. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she's a 17 and 12 girl and, like, you know, a, a pretty blonde and, like, you're just, you know, plays. That plays, I think. But then you just got ballers. You got Caitlin Clark, of course, who is – she scored, what, 39 points, I think, over the weekend? And her quest for 100 points, I told you, three games. She's getting it done in probably halftime of the second game, honestly, because, yes, yeah, she's now only like 60 points away from the all-time NCAA scoring record. And and like you said, Brink and, and Bukers, I saw that she was on the bottom line, but she had gotten outscored by her, her teammate over the weekend at UConn. So, like, there's a lot of elite talent, very skilled. Like, men's college basketball, you don't really have a lot of stars. College basketball yeah. on the women's side is the opposite. You have those stars. You have, you know, the the female version of Steph Curry, in 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 yeah, Caitlin Clark. Sounds redundant by now, but did you see some of the shots she hit this weekend. I didn't at, actually. At Maryland, they were like from the, it's Gary Williams court, so it's not half court logo, but it's you know it's like thirty five feet. Wasn't sure. there one off of like an inbounds play that yeah. they just threw it in like yeah. right off the side of the inbounds and she just took like one dribble and it was like yeah. five feet and past an NBA three point. And like. she's being relatively defended. These, you know, it's not like she's just wide open. Um, it's incredible, man. Well, she's Steph Curry at yeah. Davidson because, you know, she has better teammates than that. But I mean, yeah, like Steph Curry was kind of the only player there and he still found a way to go and, and get his buckets and, you know, almost take his team to the to the final four. Yeah, she's amazing. So, like, I mean, on the men's side, I don't know how many stars you actually have. I mean, the the national player of the year is going to be the big circus freak, and I don't think anybody likes watching him play. And, I, I mean, like, I'm, that's not a shot at, at you, Boilermaker Bob. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking a shot at your Purdue Boilermakers. I'm just saying 
outside of the novelty of like, wow, look at this freak, this guy that should be in the circus and traveling around with the carnies. Outside of that, it's like, man, he's just gonna camp in the lane. He's gonna dunk the ball. Yeah, it's it's it is predictable for sure. I must say. Um, although somebody yesterday, of course, it went a little too far. Said uh, they put up a picture saying if if Zach Eady was a foot shorter, he'd be this guy, and it was Stephen Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a little much. Um, that's right. Stephen Stephen was a lot smarter on the court than Eady is. Whenever I see him play, um, Pearl was like a coach, you know, a coach out there on the court. Um, no, well, we talked. You know, Purdue does have. They got another one waiting, another seven three kid, and they just got a commitment for next year from a seven two kid from Brewster Academy. Somebody on social media put this up last night, like the bio of this kid, and they just wrote, "Matt Painter, please stop." They you know? can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Jesse yeah. Pinkman. Yeah, drink White Claw hard seltzer responsibly. Try some of the vodka. I can't personally vouch for the non-alcoholic version, but hey, you know, maybe it's just good flavored seltzer water. Try it too. Support the people who support us. White Claw Hard Seltzer. Sam sent us to break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Matt Lo- and by the time she waits, I'll be halfway to my mama's home. Although it is important to note. That when you're talking about men's college basketball stars, you do have one at Tennessee. I have a couple, honestly. I mean, you're talking about just nationally. Like, I mean, there are very few players that are probably as notable and noticed and recognized as Zakai Ziegler. So, I mean, like, I don't want to call him like a college basketball superstar, but he's a star. And then, yeah, you have Dalton Connect, who... I don't know where the updated odds for National Player of the Year have him. Sam, see if you can find those. See if that changed drastically over the weekend because he kind of missed a golden opportunity against Kentucky to to show out, especially in a game where his team scored 103 points. You know, if he could have had 30 of those in a big road win. Followed by Edie looking, I don't want to say pedestrian because he still had like 18 and 13. But he didn't look very good, I didn't think, against Wisconsin. He wasn't as efficient as usual. They yeah. they, they they played him tough. He missed quite a few shots, had quite a few turnovers. It was not a it was not a great game for him. You're right. It was an opportunity for Dalton, but hey, I kinda look. thought Purdue's guards kinda bailed Edie out. I, I, oh. I thought, you know, fifty five, I don't know his Lance name. Lance Jones. Yeah, he had a couple big threes that kinda kept Wisconsin at bay. He was their leading scorer in that game. And yeah, and Braden Smith is Braden Smith is borderline I'd say he he'll get some at least second team all-american consideration he's playing great that was Purdue's Achilles Hill last year their guard play wasn't good enough it doesn't seem to be the case this year they do seem to be a more legitimate national contender to actually like make noise in the tournaments last year you kind of knew like hey they got the big circus freak but if you pressure their guards they'll turn the ball over and you can get them and that's exactly kind of what happened this year feels different this year feels like they actually have the guard play to complement the big circus freak. So Purdue and UConn, I think clear cut best two teams in the country in the new AP poll, Tennessee came out number six, fell one spot. I got no problem with that. I got no problem falling just one spot. I was so excited after the Kentucky win, but we have to remember the South Carolina loss was, was pretty rough. So yeah, I I think it's probably the, the fair, it's a fair assessment. Um, speaking of, 
the loss, South Carolina was not ranked, and they entered the poll at 15, which is a big jump. Probably deserved at this point. They probably were overlooked. Um, their first time being ranked, though. You talked about Tennessee being the winningest program since, what, 2018, you said? Yeah. Uh, this is the first time South Carolina has been ranked since 2017. Was that the year they made the Final Four? That sounds right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then Kentucky – now well, they're still ranked. I I thought they might fall out, but they fell to 17. I was going to say, they're still ranked fairly highly, too. I, I think mean, so, I, yeah. I thought that that's, uh, they did not get properly punished. I think voters – I just think I just think voters don't really watch ball. Yeah. I, I just think some voters just don't truly pay attention and just kind of look at the week before. And they couldn't drop Kentucky much further because then that would be them admitting that they were overranked in the first place. So instead of saying, hey, we actually need to correct this wrong, this team's not good right now, let's take them all the way out of the top 25, it's just like, well, they were top 10, they lost two close, they lost a close game in overtime and then lost to a top five team. So, you know, what can we do? We can't punish them too much. They're banged up. They're unhealthy. That's not a top 20 team right now, but they're still getting credit for that. Well, and it's, it's this whole name brand thing um, didn't, didn't Kansas? I think Kansas. Yeah, they moved up to number four after beating Houston, which was a big win. But they moved from eight to four, while most teams took care of business. Um, and then they get beat on the road last night in Manhattan. Yeah, nice job by the polls moving Kansas. I think from seventh to fourth. That Kansas team, pretty fraudulent as far as I'm concerned. They are, you know, they are not. A championship-level team, I think they are ripe for a big upset because they do still have the name value and they do still have, you know, probably a top three seeding when it comes to the tournament. But, like, I don't like that team. I don't think that team's deep enough. Do they still have the top-end talent to to maybe make a Sweet 16 or Elite 8? Sure. If you told me Dickinson, you know, carried them and they do have at least one good guard. If you told me that those guys played really well for two rounds, okay, but, yeah, you saw them get moved to four, like you said, Bob, and then pay up, pay the pollsters back by losing at Kansas State. Yeah. A Kansas State team that's not been very good this year. Exactly. Um, new bracketology came out from Jerry Palm, not Lunardi. Uh, Tennessee's a two. Uh, again, we know there's a lot of just what-ifs here anyway. It's very provisional, but – they have them clustered in the South. The thing that's interesting, it is it is a little fun to pay attention to, is who they're clustered with. It, Houston would be the one seed, but on the bottom of the bracket where Tennessee would be, familiar names, well, one familiar name, Wisconsin, uh, if, you know, things aligned. Uh, Butler, Indiana State is in there as well, which is one that, you know, is not a team anybody would want to play in a second-round game. But... Uh, they have the thing that's interesting though is they had Palm had Alabama projected as a three seed now so I mean Alabama's stock is rising rapidly um, and had South Carolina as a three as well. Uh, South Carolina as a three is a little surprising because yeah. they're still kind of hanging around the fifty range in terms right. of where the metrics have South Carolina. Yeah, I, I know the metrics only go so far in a certain point. Like hey, winning games has to matter, and doesn't matter what your stats say you are. You're a winner until further proven, and like South Carolina will have a chance to, you know, to to prove themselves. I agree. They the fact that he had Auburn as a five seed and South Carolina as a three uh, 
didn't check out with me. I thought that was that was a little weird. South Carolina only one bad loss. They have one quad three loss. They have three quad one wins. So like their resume is pretty solid in that regard. Where you talk about Auburn, Auburn one quad two loss, only one quad one win. So I mean, it's not like it's not like Auburn has a much better resume. So in terms of like what you actually have done so far, and this will work itself out as you have more opportunities. Right. We'll see who wins and who loses. But as of right now. I don't really have an issue with South Carolina being seated ahead of Auburn. It's weird because whatever the metrics say and, and whatever the formula is for the, the net ranking has spit out that Auburn's a top-10 team and South Carolina's number 39 in the net ranking. But, again, three quad one wins versus one, you know, I guess. <laughs> but, like, as far as Tennessee and the two-seed goes, Bob, I think no news is good news for Tennessee because I, I think – I think like you could only really hurt yourself over the next six games. I don't think any of the wins on the table is going to move you to the one line. But if you can stack six and zero in these next three weeks against LSU, A and M, Arkansas, Vandy, and Missouri, and A and M, I think that you'll be you know just accumulating enough wins to where you'll be a legitimate one seed threat. Almost any of these losses outside of Saturday at A&M is going to drop you a seed, I would say. It's going to drop you down to a three-seed potentially because that's how bad these losses are going to be. If you lose at home to LSU, if you lose to this Arkansas team, if you lose to Vandy or Missouri, those are resume busters. So no news is good news as far as I'm concerned when it comes to Tennessee. I agree. Stay on the two-seed for the next couple weeks. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two of some things you might have missed from yesterday. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the 